So when Dustin was just saying stuff about an article, I was trying to think like, what would be a really boring article for him to talk really excitedly about? And so then I just Googled boring article. And then I came up with a study that apparently that is- Was it something about Elon Musk's boring company? No, but it has, there was a researcher in like Germany who identified five different types of boredom. Nice. (laughs) That actually sounds really interesting. Um, The five types are indifferent, calibrating, searching, reactant, and apathetic. Apathetic boredom was a surprise to the researchers in Germany. Ha, that would be. (laughs) (laughs) It seems to be similar to depression, and it may have more negative consequences than the other types. Are there more ways to be bored out there? I don't think there are. Here's my email. Oh, go ahead. Happy birthday is the subject. And then it says, I love Instapaper. Happy birthday. If you still have stickers, could I have one? Question mark. Dustin Swarm. That's pretty much exactly what I said. Don't forget to give them your address. (laughs) Oh, good point. And um, at least one working credit card. (laughs) And your Bitcoin address. I don't have one of those. Did you know Elon Musk is selling flamethrowers now? No. That does not surprise me. Uh, Where can I get one? (laughs) He's also selling fire extinguishers. Why would you want that? (laughs) The page acknowledges, you can also buy fire extinguishers from us at exorbitant prices. Where's this? Where where are you seeing the fire flamethrowers? Um, it was a link on his Twitter. He also tweeted, "Obviously, a fire extinguisher. Obviously, a flamethrower is a terrible idea, unless you like fun." <laughs> Which I like fun. I did find a blog that someone wrote a post called "The Most Boring Thing Ever," and it does appear pretty boring. <laughs> I am writing something. Yes, I plan to make the most boring thing ever written. I go to the store. A car is parked. Many cars are parked or moving. Some are blue. Some are tame. Shall we begin the show? <laughs> no, I'm going to read this whole thing. It's like 18 paragraphs. 18 <laughs> long, poorly constructed paragraphs. I Just going down, let's see. Um, Frosty is basically any snowman that comes to life. Continuing down. A famous tale is that he flew a kite with a small piece of metal somewhere on the string during a lightning storm. This is like terrible. This is really bad. Maybe not the worst thing ever. Okay, yeah. That's a really good question about Frosty, actually. <laughs> is he... Hmm. I mean, he's sort of a snow golem. Or is he some sort of ice spirit that can float from one ice body to the next? Um, I like the snow golem idea. But that doesn't that mean he was constructed with, like, kind of a... I don't know. Almost a malicious intent? Like, at yes. least the intent to maim. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's part of why i like it well he was animated by the hat this is true so is the golem used to like kill people exact revenge or stuff like yeah, i think that's well i i think it's something like that or uh in some cases i think it can be like somewhat protective but in a like we'll kill you dead protective by messing with so-and-so hmm. well wasn't frosty protective of the the children yeah and he ruined the magician's business yeah, but he, he didn't kill the magician <sighs> that we know of he may have wished he was dead i i think he is a snow golem maybe snow golems are not as um not as malevolent as clay golems despite their icy hearts <laughs> he's almost more of a Frankenstein's monster figure because he was animated by the magician's hat 
and his main enemy is the magician himself. Mm. Frankenstein's monster was super intelligent, though. Like, he went and learned, like, French and Arabic and stuff like that. Frosty just kind of, like, bummed around with some kids and then realized his own mortality. (laughs) He went thumpity-thump-thumping over the hills. That's it. But I'm talking about the way Frankenstein didn't like the monster and the magician doesn't like Frosty. I'm talking about the attitude of the creator more than the creation. Well... Okay, but here's the thing. It uh, that would be more like saying that Frankenstein uh, Frankenstein's monster didn't like the lightning bolt or the cloud from which the li- lightning bolt came because the children put the hat on Frosty, not the magician. So the, the magician didn't really create Frosty. It was his hat that oh, you're right. was used as a tool. You're right. Good observation. And with that, shouldn't we do an intro in this? This is Better Worlds. He's Dustin. <laughs> He's <was> Matthew. Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and we're well, Trevor. Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing you the important news you need about Frosty the Snowman. Snow Golem. <laughs> or Snow... Snow Golem. I guess we really don't want to assign gender to him because yeah. the concept probably doesn't even. Did you just on. assume Frosty's gender? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, Matthew, you can't just assume people are white. Or wait, what was <laughs> <laughs> Oh <laughs> What's the what's the quote the it's like <laughs> I think I'm messing that up. <laughs> You can't just ask someone why they're white. That's it. (laughs) What is that a quote from? It's a meme based off of Mean Girls. So that's probably why I can't do it correctly. Mean Girls. I saw two minutes of that in a hotel room once. (laughs) That is a sentence that never ends well. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. (sighs) Well, okay. He is Frosty the Snow Man. Yes. But is it man like human? Or is it man as in, you know, man? (laughs) I'm just going to have my kids start singing Frosty the Snow Golem. Just so we can avoid this whole business. Can we say snow? Can we like snowlum? Snowlum. Like that, (laughs) that keeps the song meter correct. Yes, that's what we're going to start calling him. Frosty the Snowlum. <laughs> Should we do another intro? Does it? That was, I mean, do people know who we are at this point, right? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I thought it was a good intro. <laughs> They're good intros, Trevor. The best intros. <laughs> 13 out of 10. What? Wood Snuggle. Oh, I don't know. Right. I feel like it sounds like the window behind me is about to just, like, blow into the room. It's a little bit frightening. Is there a tornado? Probably. Was that, in fact, a train? Maybe. Or was it a tornado? Well, it's, it's like, making these cracking sounds, like, I don't know. Is it a snowlum? It may, in fact, be a snowlum. It's been, like, 58 <laughs> degrees here all day, but sure. 
<laughs> while it's trying to get inside to find shelter in a frit or in a freezer. <laughs> it's desperate. They're dangerous when they're desperate. <laughs> Be careful, Trevor. <laughs> You guys are opposed to regular intros now, I guess. I mean, we... <laughs> you can you can do it. No, okay. Here's the thing: the intros. The only reason we ever did those intros is because that's what all the people who don't listen anymore told us we should do. <laughs> but they don't listen anymore. Good point. Good point. So forget you people. If you do, in fact, listen, <laughs> forgive us. But they can't tell us what to do, because this is Better Worlds, and I'm Trevor. <laughs> and I'm Dustin. And I'm Matthew. And his axe. <laughs> <laughs> so. What have we got on the docket today? I think you've got some follow-up. <laughs> which is also our fin fact. All right. Oh, so I guess I have to do this. Yes. Today's, well, you're the one that put it on there. I did. Finland fact. In the last episode of Better Worlds, we brought to you the discovery of Heavysaurus, the dinosaur-themed Finnish heavy metal band for children. Uh, one relevant fact about Heavysaurus is that they have a movie. Um, and today's Finland fact is that this movie is not available in the United States. Oh. I've searched. Yeah, it's a disappointing one, right? So we were hoping to this watch is this. Better worlds, Trevor. <laughs> okay, so I have searched high and low. I have searched I was going to say the darkest corners of the internet, but that is not true. I have searched <laughs> some poorly lit corners of the internet, but certainly not the darkest ones. And I have not found anything. Whoa, whoa, you went to the second page of Google results? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't think I even went that far. <laughs> no one blames you. <laughs> I looked to see if I could buy it on iTunes, and then I did a DuckDuckGo search. I clicked a couple of links on some very sketchy-looking websites. I did not give them all of the information they requested from me. <laughs> <laughs> and my conclusion is that there's no way to watch this movie in the United States. So, Heavysaurus uh, Elokuva DVD. You found it? Well, <laughs> I found a page where where you this can buy the DVD. Dot fi. But is it the right region DVD? You I might be know. able to order it, yeah. but then we couldn't run it. I you know, I just pressed enter on the the Google search. So, <laughs> give me a few moments and we'll see what we've got. It's taking a while to load because it's going all the way to space and then back to Finland and then Back to space. And I already told you I tried to find this movie and it could not be done. Now you're trying to do it on the show? Uh, I can buy it for 3.95 euro. Nobody knows what that means. Oh my gosh, that's like $5. That's 60% off. Normally 9.95 euro. What website are you looking at? Uh, let's see. It's www.discshop.fi slash elokuvat slash DVD slash heavy source. So what you're, what Elokuva you're saying is you can give P. them 3.95 euros and you may or may not eventually receive a DVD. Correct. Which may or may not be in the region that you can watch. It. 
I'm going to click this red button that says Osta that looks like it might mean buy. <laughs> that means down, download virus oh, no, to computer. No, it means add to cart. Oh. Okay, so, and then checkout is Casale, because it's red <laughs> in, in the checkout section. Okay. Red means self-destruct. Check- <laughs> Not in this country. <laughs> so, oh, the shipping <laughs> is 295 euro <laughs> for a total of six. 295? Euro. No, oh. 2.95 euro. Okay. Did you put in your address? No. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. Um, I'm going to check eBay. I am learning so much Finnish. Heavy Saurus. Hello. I don't remember how to spell this, I'm guessing. Mm. I'm checking eBay to see if there's a, a US seller of this. What is Alokuvat? I didn't check eBay. I told you I searched everywhere, but I didn't check eBay. <laughs> so you lied to us. Uh, oh, post number. Uh, yeah, those are all region two so and we're region one. So you'd have to get a region two capable DVD player as well. That's easy. Amazon's got that, I'm sure. Did you look on Amazon? Yes, I did look on Amazon. Okay. I searched, okay, I searched uh, at least three websites, by which I mean the iTunes store, DuckDuckGo, and Amazon. Um, so what I was going to say is if anybody has superior media finding skills to myself, then they should <laughs> try to find this, and we will watch it, and we'll... we'll do a whole episode on this thing i mean okay we want to see this movie oh we we can call this number dustin i have good news what you can change the coding on your computer's dvd drive to read a region 2 dvd oh yeah um this article seems to think you can only change the coding five times before it will be stuck (laughs) (laughs) sounds about right (laughs) I would guess that that is not always the same. I was okay, so I decided not to mention this a second ago, but now I will. Um, I remember when the MacBook Pro first came out in 2006, there was a little bit of a scandal in that the DVD region was determined by whatever region DVD you played in it first. Oh, really? And so some people would have like one foreign DVD, they would watch it first on their new computer, and then they would find out they couldn't play any of their other DVDs. So I was going to say, if that's still true, then we can watch it by buying a new MacBook Pro (laughs) and using it for the sole purpose of watching that one DVD, maybe, (laughs) if that still works. Um, But here's the thing. MacBook Pros don't have optical drives anymore. (laughs) Touche. You win this round. (laughs) Well, actually, you don't win because we still can't watch it. Oh, my goodness. Heavy Source has an official website. I would hope so. Heavysource.com. Dot, dot, fi? I bet one of those words... No, dot com. I bet one of those words means shop. Kekat, Kaupa, Kuvat, and Peli. You can get a region-free DVD player on Amazon pretty easily. So that mm. solves that problem. Uh, Betsy has a DVD player that she bought for her MacBook Air, which does not have an optical drive, of course. I wonder if it's region-free. Oh, that'd be a good question. We can we can figure this out off air. This has been a very long Finland fact <laughs> with very little facts to it. Oh my goodness, there are t-shirts. Heavy source t-shirts. Here's the <laughs> shop, guys. I'm sending you the link to the shop. I'm noticing on their webpage that the dinosaurs look like they're like paper mache or something. They don't look like they're costumes for some reason. 
I'm sure it's just a photograph. It just looks weird to me. I guess the costumes might be paper mache anyway. Never mind. You mean they look real is what you're saying. Because they are real. I mean, this is a photograph of a living, breathing dinosaur. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, I'm not convinced that the drummer is a girl. I think it might just be a guy with long hair. Yeah, I think you're right. I think there's only one girl. Sounds like a metal band. Typical metal band. Uh, Jeez, I'm out of my element here. I don't know any Finnish. (laughs) Where's Sisu on here? (laughs) Favorite quote. They have a favorite quote listed. It's, (laughs) Rai. Which I assume means Dustin Rauer. Did you not see the thing at the top of the page that says language and you can drop it down and switch it to English? Where? On Heavy Saurus? On oh the record show. Okay, I thought we were looking at the heavy the record. Oh, 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 oh hold on. Oh the language. Link you shared. Yes. English. It is translating. Doesn't actually help that much. Except <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All the product product names are in uh Finnish still. Following sizes are in sh- stock, shipping immediately. So that's what that means. Holy cow. Uh, their sizing is weird. Also, these are mostly... It must be in centimeters? These are mostly <laughs> children's garments. <laughs> no! <laughs> They're on the front page of the website. There's a little section with their photos and a little bit of biographical information on each one. Riffy Raffy's favorite food, which with assistance from Google Translate, is... All self-flaming and angry. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'd say that that is a mistranslation. <laughs> um, shouldn't we go on? So anyway, there'll be some links and show notes for um, <laughs> heavy Saurus stuff if you're interested, question mark. Um, Which, who, of course. What oh, other... I could translate it to Swedish. Do you guys know oh, Swedish? <laughs> Actually, that'd probably be easier for us to guess oh, some stuff. Dang at because it, I accidentally put two DVDs on my cart. Swedish is at least related to English, unlike Finnish being its own weird deal. Right. Yeah. Um, so, Trevor, did you have any other items you wanted to follow up with? Maybe. Well, you just mentioned show notes. The show notes for this episode can be found at betterworlds.net slash podcast slash 28. And I also have some follow-up from the last episode about Elcor. And I don't really want to say anything about it. I mean, about Elcor <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> I just want to say, um, I found a lot of good links when I was putting together the show notes for the last episode, including a lot of videos of Elcor speaking and even a supercut of all of the ads for all Elcor Hamlet. So if anybody wants to have an idea of what we were talking about for the first five minutes of the last episode, you can look at the show notes of the last episode, episode 27. That's amazing. All the Elcor supercuts. Oh, and there was an interesting article from a linguistic perspective about the Elcor and several other science fiction things that are at least superficially similar and some analysis of whether or not they are in fact similar. So like there are other sci-fi things that announce their intention or what type of statement they're about to make. 
And it's sort of an analysis of how similar that is or is not to Elcor patterns. And also why they talk that way. Anyway, that's just a lot of good stuff in the last episode's show notes. Neat. The other follow-up item I have is on the subject of whales living in fresh water. We were speculating about whether or not murder whales could thrive in the Amazon. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I did a little bit of searching, and I found a helpful website called whalefacts.org that has an, <laughs> <laughs> an article called Can Whales Live in Fresh Water? And somebody did a lot of thinking about this, and they mentioned a few of the things we talked about, like just having enough space in the river. Um, they did confirm that it would be easier for a whale to surface in salt water oh. because they're very conservative swimmers. Mm. That was what I was talking about with the buoyancy issue. So they kind of confirmed that. Yeah. Um, and they mentioned a lot of other things we hadn't really thought about, such as rivers are often more um, polluted and do not have large enough food sources for the whales. So like mm-hmm. they're not going to be able to find the things they depend on. Um, and salt water also plays a large role in disinfecting wounds for the whales. Oh yeah. Some of them end up very wounded. Yeah. So, so what was our original question about murder whales? For some reason we were wondering if they could live in the Amazon. I don't remember why. Okay. Well, because we talked about a murder whale attacking the jaguar that attacked the the caiman, and how oh that's right oh yeah crazy the capybara would look that's right but um does it have to survive or just travel upriver because I thought we were just talking about traveling upriver to get to the caiman I didn't know we were talking about living there long term that's a good point um, yeah so uh, on that note. One thing pointed out in this article on whalefacts.org is the tale of Humphrey the whale, who twice traveled inland into fresh water through the San Francisco Bay. Um, He lived there for several weeks, but he became very weak and sick and had to find his way back to the ocean with the help of humans. I will include links for that in the show note if you want to read more of these thoughts on whales in fresh water and also a link to... Some stuff about Humphrey. That sounds like a familiar story. Um, One point that I found interesting was that the first thing that humans did to try to get him back into fresh water was to play the sounds of orcas to frighten him back up the river. Hmm. Well, that'll do it. It actually didn't work, but it was a good idea. Was it a humpback whale? I believe so. Really long pectoral fins? Based on his name being Humphrey. Well, Humphrey could be anything. I'm not looking at a photograph. He wasn't taking selfies while he was in the river. (laughs) There is a picture of a humpback whale on Humphrey the Whale's Wikipedia page, so I'm going to assume that he was a humpback whale. Yeah, Humphrey the Whale is a humpback whale from Wikipedia, the very first line of Wikipedia. Who could have guessed? (laughs) You looked at the picture, I read the sentence. (laughs) (laughs) What are you saying? (laughs) (laughs) Nothing. See also list of famous whales. This is why I love Wikipedia. I'm not going to go into this on the air, but I might look at it later. List of famous whales. (laughs) As he looks through the list. (laughs) 52 Hertz whale. That's interesting. Oh, are they just doing it at the... Blue whale or fin whale. Debatable. An individual whale of unidentified species which calls at the very unusual frequency of 52 Hertz. 
hurts. Huh. I will definitely read this later, but not right now. Huh. What's next on the list? Uh, Dawn, the humpback. Not From the way it lists. real life. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean our <laughs> list. I mean, can we move on? <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, Sure. <laughs> Near the bottom of the list, whale from the tale of Jonah. Species. Debatable. In some stories, it is not a whale. Meaning, in the one story, it's not a whale. Um. <laughs> All of the rest of them say from real life or literature or film. And that is the single one that says from Abrahamic religion. <laughs> <laughs> the Hebrew, actually, I think is something close to great fish, which would be the euphemism they would not even that'd be the way they would describe a whale but it yeah. could also just mean really like it there's it's useless speculation <laughs> exactly i i agree with that what i don't agree with is their statement in some stories because it's not as if there are numerous accounts mm. they're kind of all coming from the same source material right <laughs> unless they're referring to the numerous children's books on the matter anyway <laughs> I would not consider those primary sources. (laughs) So has someone gone to KFC recently? No. Why, why are all of my things at the top of the list? I don't know. You put them there. I I thought I put mine all at the bottom anyway. Hmm. So some uh, big news in nothing. Uh, Okay. So the other day I noticed this was trending on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Colonel Sanders is now a woman. Um, the new KFC mascot, or rather the old KFC mascot with the new actor is being played by Reba McIntyre. And Hmm. really, I am just really deeply curious whether this will be as upsetting to people as Doctor Who becoming a woman was. (laughs) Well, it's more American. I don't know. Like, I just, I'm just really curious how the fandom will respond because in Doctor Who, there was all kinds of setup. They, they took other Time Lords and made them go from male to female. And by, I, I mean a single certain Time Lord, it's not multiple. It's only one that I know of. They took a different Time Lord, had him go from a man to a woman. Um, I think there might've been another, not exactly Time Lord who might have switched around a little bit. Um, but they, they established very clear precedents before doing it with the doctor himself. Um, and then when the doctor, when it was announced that a woman was cast as the doctor, people got furious despite the fact that they had been setting that up for like a couple of years. Um, I don't think KFC has laid the groundwork in their canon of uh, female Colonel Sanders. So I'm just, I'm just really curious how the fandom responds to this. I also, uh, on a related note, did I ever tell you guys about my Twitter troll? Mm, uh, you might yeah. have mentioned it. Might him. Yeah, I used to have a Twitter troll. Yeah, no, I think you did. Um, it was kind of a weird experience because it's this person that I don't know. It was a friend of a friend. And every once in a while, he would just get really upset about something. I I don't know. It was. <laughs> he was very, very strongly. Is he a listener? To No, no, I doubt it. Um, he was very strongly towards a certain political persuasion um, and would occasionally get upset with me about just random stuff, even though I, I didn't follow him, I didn't know him, and he would just randomly chew me off for stuff or argue with me about stuff. Um, 
And anyway, he unfollowed me, which is great. Uh, he finally had his fill, I guess. But I looked at his timeline at one point and saw that he was just railing about female Doctor Who. He was really upset about it. He said it's literally a different show now. Doctor Who does not exist. It's off the air. Another show of the same name has taken its place uh, because the Doctor is now played by a woman. And I'm just curious if he is going to refuse to eat at KFC. I guess I should check his timeline. But I mean, his timeline is like super toxic, so I'm probably not going to do that. Yeah, you'd. I hope people start refusing to eat at KFC. <laughs> I mean, that would be great, but you'd be like a whale in a river <laughs> going through that toxic channel stream. That's what it is. Twitter stream feed, whatever. I don't know. I don't know. What do you call it? Do you guys have any any thoughts on uh, a tw- timeline? Twitter mm. timeline. Okay, timeline. Um, I was really confused why they were having it, but reading the CNN article, it sounds like it's kind of a thing that they do with other celebrities as well in the commercials. It's kind of a what? A thing that they do with other celebrities as well. Like other celebrities dress up in the Colonel Sanders costume in the commercial. Oh, is it just for like one ad or something? Is it not like a... Yeah. Oh. I'm pretty sure it's just for one ad. Okay. <laughs> At least that's the impression I got. When this was trending on Twitter, that was not really clear, and they didn't have any examples of ads. Hold on, let me... Uh... It also wasn't clear if Colonel Sanders is now canonically a woman, or if they simply had a woman <laughs> playing him as an effeminate man. I I don't know. I don't know. I'm not really all that well-versed on the KFC canon, to be honest. She has a mustache. Mm-hmm. She has the facial hair of Colonel Sanders, so... I think it's, if anything, it's the opposite of dressing in drag. What is, what is it called? I guess that's not the opposite. The opposite would be wearing gender or clothing that matches the gender identity. I don't know. I put the CNN link okay. um, in there. The singer has been enlisted to promote KFC's new Smoky Mountain barbecue fried chicken. Mountain what? Smoky Mountain. Yeah, you lost me at Smoky. Well. Wow, I can't believe we're talking about this. Okay. Neither can I. I just watched the uh, the ad. It's 58 seconds long, and it's kind of funny. Let's talk about something else. <laughs> What's the next thing? Oh, so this was news, current news at the time that I thought we were going to be recording, but it's kind of old news now. Uh, there was a planetary system, a five-planet system discovered entirely by citizen scientists, and it's the first uh, planetary system of its kind discovered by just citizen scientists. Um, hmm. So the link that we, or the article that we'll have in the show notes talks about the program that they are part of it's going through data from Kepler, the Kepler uh, satellites uh, looking at exoplanets and uh, let's see, hold on. I have it up now. Um, Zoo uh, Zooniverse is the online platform that they use. So if you are interested in helping out science, 
previously we talked about uh, Gravity Spy uh, helping out LIGO. Uh, Zooniverse apparently has a way that you can work with data from the Kepler satellite. So it was kind of cool. And it's cool that people that you don't have to have a PhD and be employed by NASA to be helping out science and working with Kepler data or LIGO data. Cause we talked about gravity spy back in October, right? Uh, that was a way you can help out with LIGO. So okay. this citizen scientist uh, trend is kind of cool. And I like the, the crowdsourcing of research. Cool. That is neat. So on the note of space and science, um, I was talking with some friends today and in the past, and these friends are pretty much just against government ever spending money in any way. And one of their boogeymen is um, anything related to NASA or space-related research. And they are hoping that the government cuts off funding to the International Space Station. So (laughs) my question for you guys is, um, how would you defend the International Space Station to somebody who thinks that it's just a waste of money? If you don't have an answer, um, we can talk about it another time or not at all if you want. Um, I know that there has been a lot of research done either in space or related to space programs that has later overflowed or spun off into research that's more applicable to people's lives. Mm -hmm. So part of my question, if you didn't have, if, if you didn't have something else you wanted to say, I was going to ask if you're aware of any specific spinoffs. I don't have any specific spinoffs at this time. Um, Okay. But are these people the type of person that would, scorn the idea of basic research and the importance of that. So it's probably pointless. These are the kind of people you could show them a chart and they would tell you that George Soros had drawn it. (laughs) Who's George Soros? (laughs) I'm looking up George Soros now, but anyway, all like, if you think about it, (laughs) he's at the heart of every conspiracy theory. Oh, Oh, it's funded by George Soros. Think about all of our scientific research. It's taken place on Earth and within the physical um, conditions of being on the surface of the Earth. And we have a chance to conduct research in different physical environments, like vastly different physical environments, and see how does gravity or how does an atmosphere um, of pressure, how do these different things affect the physical processes that we see? And uh, But they probably wouldn't care about that. It sounds like the argument you're looking for for these particular people are, if we don't do it, that would work, would say, if we don't do it, the Chinese are going to do it, and in 50 years, they will use that knowledge to surpass us and take all our jobs. Ooh, that's a good one. America first. <laughs> yeah, that would probably be the angle that would work. Or um, do you want the Chinese to beat us to Mars? Because if we give up, they're beating us to Mars. Just like 
these specific people would probably say, well, then China will be the one wasting their money. So good. But I don't know. Maybe if you had said something about creating jobs, that'd probably be the best way. That's what I'm saying. Mm, yeah. You have to do it that way that like, well, the Chinese are going to use that knowledge to become technologically superior and take away all our jobs. Okay. Because these are also the same people who told me that certain pipelines were a good thing because they created jobs. Certain pipelines. <laughs> but we probably should, I don't want to go into that. Um, uh, let's see. Um, so I did just a little bit of cursory research on ISS spinoffs. Um, and I didn't find a lot of detail yet. I mean, I didn't read deep enough, but just to give you a basic idea, um, they have found that bacteria thrive in zero gravity and crystals can also grow a lot bigger in zero gravity. And so both of those things have been used for some really promising disease related research. So that'd be one way that it could definitely spill over into everyday life. Growing bacteria. I mean, there's a ton of other stuff, but I just haven't had a chance to really read on it yet. Yeah, I know that even just going to the moon uh, had a huge impact on technology that we use every day and take for granted. And that was in the 60s. Yeah. And that's something that I wish I knew a lot more about. I guess is the reason I brought it up. So I don't know. I probably need to find a book or something. Do they believe that we went to the moon? Mm, probably. Okay. Maybe. <laughs> I would say at least two out of the three people probably do. I don't know which two. <laughs> <laughs> but you're being optimistic. Yeah. I do think one of them listens to this show. So hello. Mm. It was the one who said that he is in favor of space-related things. So, Oh, okay. Good for you. Yeah. One of them said that he would be in favor of going back to the moon. And he didn't really chime in as much on the anti-ISS stuff. So, Yeah. Anyway, I want to learn a lot more about the way that space programs have influenced other areas of science and technology because it seems really interesting and it seems like something a lot of people aren't really aware of and don't really have the imagination to see the benefits. And so that's why I want to know more about the concrete ways that it's happened. Cause I can imagine it being really beneficial, but I don't know concretely how it has been beneficial already. Yeah. If anybody knows a good book, let me know. Another thing you could point out is the possibility of um, like mining asteroids and getting rare metals or at least rare on earth metals and like uh, Bitcoin, the entrepreneurial. <laughs> yes, that is Bitcoin mining takes place in the asteroid belt. <laughs> um, so maybe that would tickle their entrepreneurial sense. Maybe. I don't know. I am reading seven eaves right now by Neil Stevenson. It is a book about what would happen if the moon exploded. Mm. And not that far into the book, the basic idea is everybody on Earth is going to die within the space of a few years. And so they're trying to get as many people into space to continue life as we know it. Um, and the ISS plays a very important role in that. Uh, it's kind of the the hub of all of the space arc 
or or orbital arc project, whatever it is they call it. Uh, It's an interesting book, but uh, that's part of why I've been thinking about the ISS as much is because it's featured in that book. And the reason you made me think of it just now is that there's a lot of stuff about asteroid mining because at the point where the book is set, they have um, captured an asteroid and attached it to the ISS and one of the people on the ISS has like all these robots she's programming to like experiment with mining the asteroid. Um, and she was doing it for the kind of purposes you're talking about, but now that they're just trying to make sure humanity doesn't die out, they're trying to find ways to take advantage of it for that whole arc project. Mm. Neil Stevenson books are very long though. So I have a long way to go with that. Is it worth the read? Do you recommend it? Um, I am 12% in and I am enjoying it greatly. Okay. I will add it to my... It's the same guy who wrote Anathem and I really liked that book as well. But this one is more space related, so... American. Oh yeah, I've not read either of those. Anathem has some space stuff, but this is like all space stuff. And it's more related to actual space stuff. It's like, I don't know what... I don't know what the subgenre would be called, but it is sci-fi that is very much related to our own real space programs. So hard sci-fi? Uh, yes. It's definitely hard sci-fi. Speaking, Speaking of, of reading. Reading. <laughs> <laughs> Have you guys heard of... Well, I guess we went for the lowest hanging fruit of <laughs> segues. Yeah. Have you guys heard of the podcast LeVar Burton Reads? No, but it sounds fantastic. Mm. It's a it's a thing, and he reads uh, works of short fiction. I love short fiction. Lots of or two of the four that I've listened to. No, sorry, five have been sci-fi. So, and he says something about how he tends to gravitate towards sci-fi, but he branches out into other genres as well. So yeah, if you like LeVar Burton and you like reading, you like short fiction, that would be something to pass your time. Um, I am very listening to this. <laughs> so this looks amazing. Are you looking at it right now? Yeah. Yeah. There's 14 episodes um, so far. Yeah. And he's starting season or he's in the middle of season two now or not in the middle, but he just started season two. So, uh, one of the most recent one, no, not the most recent, the second to most recent one, uh, talked about, um, let's see, what was it? It was a bar called Sapir's wharf. Uh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And it was, it's, it was, uh, it's for linguists, it caters to linguists, so it's really funny. <laughs> Matthew or Trevor, do you guys have anything you want to say about the Nintendo thing? It's worth talking about. <laughs> How do you pronounce this? Labo? I hope so. Nintendo Labo, which sounds like an Italian talking about a lab. So maybe it's Mario talking about a lab? I don't know. I mean, I think that when they borrow, when Japanese tends to borrow words they tend to put a like o or u on that something like there's a if it ends it doesn't i think it's against the rules of japanese to end in a consonant maybe but that's me taking a guess on observed pattern okay 
Well, I don't, I watched the intro video. I don't think they actually said the name at any point. No. And there were, I don't think there was any audio other than music. Right. Uh, well, there might've been like, maybe game sounds or something. They were kind of the sounds of the use of the things. Anyway, we're talking about Nintendo Labo. We have no idea how it's pronounced. We might sound like idiots a month from now when people know how to say this. But (laughs) this looks amazing. Did you guys both watch the video? I did. Let's describe it. Okay. So this is a new thing that appears to tie in with the Nintendo Switch. It involves cardboard craft objects that can be made. So like you get like a sheet of cardboard with these perforated patterned things that you can fold into various things like a piano or a fishing pole or uh, a robot. (laughs) When you say it like that, it just sounds made up. It it does sound made up. I mean, looking at this thing, it looks made up. This looks like, this looks insane. This looks like something I would have imagined as a child and never would have existed. Like I would have loved this so much as a kid. And I feel like I need to repent because I have said at various times that Nintendo is not really doing anything worthwhile and they should just make their games for other platforms. And I, I feel like I've underestimated them because this looks amazing. I'm not going to spend the money on it, but it looks amazing. <laughs> yeah. You're able to buy a kit and then create some kind of um, attachment or accessory that integrates with the Switch system and allows you to play games interactively. Is that a, what you guys got from it? Yeah. So like you build like a cardboard piano and somehow it turns the Switch turns it into a piano that you can play. But it's literally just like this thing made of cardboard with the switch sitting in it. I think it. Or there, I know there's one kit that like you become a cardboard robot of some sort, I guess. Yeah. So it, you had a backpack and these things that you hold in your hand for like punching or whatever. And it also, you make a VR goggle somehow or head headset with out of the cardboard and then slide the switch screen, I guess. Don't they have, isn't it a portable thing that you can use? Um, it's a, but I think you put that in there. Yeah. Oh, the, or am I yeah. mis? I might be misremembering it. No, I think you got it. Okay. I mean, I don't know a ton about the Switch, so this is probably painful to listener Curtis or anybody else who actually has one. Yeah. I think there's a thing with a screen, and then the controllers can attach to the screen, or you yeah. can dock the screen. So the kid is wearing something to connect to the TV, and then use the the controller pieces separately. So yeah, the thing he's wearing on his head, I think, has that screen piece in front of his eyes. So it's almost like a a VR kind of thing. Yeah. Insofar as the screen is right in front of his eyes. Whether that actually makes it VR or not, I don't know. And it looks like they they demo a lot of things. At the end, it shows what you can purchase. And I think it only shows two different kits. But they demo a lot of different kits in this. Well, yeah, they're... The ad that I'm aware of shows the variety kit and the robot kit. The mm-hmm. robot kit we described, oh, I guess the variety kit has, looks like the piano, um, a scooter, a house, um, the fishing pole. So everything else might be in that variety kit. I bet they're going to make more of them though. Yeah, probably. 
And of course it requires the Nintendo switch. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's not a, like a standalone I, thing. So that's why it's, that's why I'm priced out of it. Cause I don't have a switch. And I, when I've said negative things about Nintendo, one of the things I've said is I'm not going to buy a system to play one game. Cause typically there's like one game on the system I want to play. So like, doesn't matter how cool breath of the wild is. I'm not going to buy a system just for breath of the wild. Um, so this makes a second thing that's interesting for the switch for me. I, I don't know the pricing for sure, but I think I heard that these are actually priced pretty much like a regular game. So like you get all the cardboard. I mean, that doesn't sound that impressive when I say you get all the cardboard (laughs) and everything (laughs) for like 60 bucks, but, um, that's certainly better pricing than like all of the peripherals you could get for the Wii. Cause like, yeah. I feel like for the Wii, there were a ton of things where it's like, it's like 40 bucks for this and 60 bucks for that. And like, you'd still have to pay for the game, but then you'd also have to pay for like this weird plastic thing that you basically just put the nunchuck in. Mm-hmm. I was never real clear on the, all that. A lot of them would just essentially try like a game would modify and say like, pretend this is like a gun. The B trigger is going to be like the trigger and it would just essentially you'd put it in there and it would, have a mechanism to click the button you should when you're pulling the trigger, but in a more naturalistic thing. And it just did that with all the, it figured out what the controls for the game were mapped to by default and then built an apparatus so that essentially you were hitting that button when you would operate the extra extension. Yeah. So it was both more expensive and I wasn't convinced it was actually necessary because you could just use the controller itself, right? Yeah. It just might not feel like a gun or a fishing yes. pole or whatever. Yeah. It was always more of like an experience enhancing thing more so than right. you absolutely needed it. Whereas this, like if you didn't have the cardboard, then like <laughs> you don't really have the game without the cardboard in this case, the cardboard, it's like the cardboard is the game. It's like, mm-hmm. it's, it's just a really interesting idea that they're essentially using the soul of the video game to animate a cardboard body somehow if that makes any sense so something to keep an eye on yeah i will probably never be able to play it but it looks super cool and i would have loved it when i was a kid (laughs) if i mean i would have loved my friends nintendo labo when i was a kid (laughs) (laughs) i had a sega (laughs) yeah i had a sega too i still have a sega i should see if it still works and then sell it for like 15 dollars on ebay (laughs) yeah Or someone will do something and resell it for more. Yeah. Speaking of video games. Do you guys have any Destiny 2 updates? We're really nailing the segues this time. <laughs> um, What did you want to say about um, Destiny, Trevor? Um, well, did you have a question for us about Destiny, Dustin? Do you guys have any Destiny 2 updates? <laughs> I have an update. I guess. I haven't played in like six weeks, maybe eight. I don't know. Um, The update I was going to throw is that in terms of where the game is at, the community would, if you pulled it by and large, would say that this is Destiny's darkest hour as it has yet to unfold. Based on the amount of motivation I've had to play lately, I would say that's accurate. But it has to do with just that design that there's not 
a ton to do and that they've built some of the motivational systems poorly. <laughs> they did come out with one DLC since the last time we discussed this, right? We didn't talk about Curse of Osiris. I don't think. We mentioned that it was coming, but... Did we? I don't remember if we did. I, the The name is familiar, so that's why I... Okay. Well, Curse of Osiris came out. Matthew and I played through the campaign together. It was okay. I don't know if you finished the camp. Did you finish the campaign? Yeah. I can't remember. Oh, we finished the campaign, and then there was, like, extra post-campaign stuff that I don't think oh, okay. you finished. But yeah, we had, like, a week or two in between when we played most of the campaign versus when we played the last mission. Um, but I haven't really done any of the post-campaign stuff. I honestly don't even know what Masterworks weapons and armor are. I know they exist, but I haven't even seen them. So, um, And the community keeps thinking Bungie's doing a really terrible job of communicating or responding to... They compare it to other games where like, when there's a problem or like people are dissatisfied with things, they get patched in a couple weeks, and there's still stuff that people have been complaining about since destiny 2 launched that bungie is like we're working on a promise or we're working on a fix for this and we promise but they are taking their time with it (laughs) there's a trevor and i might end up playing because they're doing crimson days again which i would assume means you need to play with a partner i thought you were going to say with a lover (laughs) (laughs) but i guess that wouldn't have really worked for us I would to be clear, it's their Valentine's-themed event, if anybody is super confused by what we're saying right now. Yes, but and it usually has like playlists oriented to playing with another person. And, th- and activities like play with it, someone else, this thing. So, Last time I did that exclusively for the ghost. Yeah, because they had, you could get a chocolate ghost or a pink sparkly ghost. And it was the only way to get a max level ghost other than getting extremely lucky through one certain other activity. And now they don't have level, so they are... (laughs) Ghosts don't have levels. Which is better. Yeah. And the way they should have had it, always. And at the time that this happened, it was new that ghosts did have a level. Like in Destiny 1, ghosts did not have levels, and then they started having levels shortly before Crimson Days, if I remember correctly. And so a lot of people were like, wow, I was doing fine. And now I feel like this is really holding me back. And then Crimson Days came to the rescue. Um, I will make a note that the times I've used a masterwork weapon, they are fun because if you get a double kill with it, it always produces an orb of light. So it's very helpful for a teammate to have a masterwork weapon. Then I'm glad you have them. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a that's Destiny 2. There might be more to update as if the promises Bungie are purporting, they will work on materialize. I don't know how a studio of like 700 people takes, I, I guess I could envision. I don't know why, it, why it takes quite as long to do it. Like they might drop a couple of major balance and fixing things patches in a year, like maybe two to three, maybe. And it's usually, it could be less. <laughs> Lots of ping pong tables. That's my guess. Mm, that could be. Um, but anyway, the also relating to video games, I was going to say, I think we mentioned, we've made some mention of Assassin's Creed. I've been working through the newest one, which is Origins, and it's the one set in 
not exactly ancient, the very tail end of ancient Egypt, like as close to modern time as, yeah, actually the- Like pre-Cleopatra or around that time? It's Cleopatra, but Cleopatra would be the end of ancient, ancient Egypt ends when the pharaonic era is over, when Roman, when the Romans take over in like 31 or something, and you're in the 40s, so- you're within a, this is in the 40s? It's 49, I think. Okay. It could progress by... So you could... You're within a, like two decades of ancient Egypt being over. And I would put it this way. The protagonist is closer in time to us than he is to the pyramids being built. So that gives you a sense of how far... it like Because I think if you say ancient Egypt, people would think like, oh, so when the pyramids were new. And Yeah, I'm kind of a sucker for those type of time comparisons. Well, there you go. <laughs> I like them. Um, but yeah. They... And somehow Cleopatra always comes up in them. So that's partly why I brought her up. Hmm. She does figure in the story semi-prominent. Thus far has figured semi-semi. Somewhat semi-prominently. Somewhat semi. Wow, that's great. Um, but one of... Even though she died... I mean... Well before then? Your count backwards. Sorry, did you say AD or BC? Uh, it's backwards. Sorry, it's BC. Oh, okay, okay. So yeah, you're the. Uh, it's forty nine. I I thought you said AD. No, that she's, uh, yeah, she's before it then. Um, right. Or did yeah. Anyway, I knew that she was BC, and I thought you said AD, but now I see you said BC, and it all makes perfect sense. I might not have said the the year, but I guess I was assuming we all just took that for granted. But I shouldn't have done that. Um, I should have clarified. So yes, you're in like forty nine BC, and then you're. That would be, you know, a while in the future. Um, so anyway, that's the main thing I wanted to point out was you start off in one place and then you kind of get to Alexandria, which for the time period is like the big city. And there's that's kind of on a lake in the northwest of Egypt. And you go around that and continue expanding the map. And the map probably had to start like somewhere around two dozen zones that broke up the Egypt as a whole. I've been playing for a fairly decent chunk of time and have gotten like down to Memphis and to another little oasis area. And I, they could have cut the game map already. And I, cause I've already had thought like, this is pretty big. This keeps going. This is also pretty big. And they, I still have like, the better part of a dozen areas on the map to even like get to and unfog <laughs> and like explore. You, it's all tied to leveling. So you don't want to go into those until you're appropriate level level or everything will kill you with one hit. So the, I'm just impressed by the size of the game because the, the previous one, which was fun, you were for the most part just in London. So you, I think it, that had, seven or eight districts of London. And that was honestly fine. Like it was a very decently sized map. You could, there was a lot to go around and do and I was fine with it. So the fact that they took, this one was in development for a lot longer. Um, and it's just quite large and I'm impressed by it. Tell them about the whale. Oh yeah. So um, I was going in, I was in the desert at one point and came across a thing that just had like there were whale fossils in the sand and i was like oh this is really cool 
And then in some pre-show discussion, we discovered that there are, in fact, um, some famous, like the first, the first, I think, Basilosaurus was discovered in the desert in Egypt. And then the most, the first complete Basilosaurus was only discovered two years ago in the same spot in the desert in Egypt. So I'm pretty sure that's what they were going for by having whale skeletons in this spot, which was actually a hyena lair. I'm assuming the hyenas were excited about paleontology too. That makes me respect hyenas a lot more. I won't tell you what happened to the hyenas then. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You also showed me that you can get unicorns and camel corns. Oh yeah. So there um, it's a, those are, you, you can get those one of two ways. There's a vendor who you can do a quest for every day. Who's, um, will then give you like just a chest that can has a chance of getting you like just decent realistic gear or on some rare occasions will give you some just crazy stuff that's high powered that they've put in. And one of the crazy things that they put in are unicorns and they made a thing that should be called a camel corn, but they called a unicamel instead. Um, and that... And the the flip side being that that's completely obtainable through that, just if you're patient enough and do the work for it, or you could just go pay $5 in the store and get it, which I don't think... Anyway, so they've got all this, and then they've got like other fancy horses and armor sets and things like that. Um, But yeah, I mean, that I was going to update that I saw... You can... The only real interaction with other players you can get is that it, the map will just randomly put up photos that other people took using the in-game photo taker <laughs> camera. There we go. That's the word I wanted. And I did see a picture. Are you talking about screenshots? Well, it's not really, a, I guess it is a screenshot, but you're kind of like, you can do a lot of editing to it. but it's like the game has a camera quote unquote you can freeze the game at any moment like you could be midair hit the right combination of buttons uh, and okay. then you can position like you can offset from yourself you can take okay something you can stop and do a lot of things with like the saturation and temperature and tint of the photo and then take it and then it's like geotagged on the game map and for i don't know what the metric that they use is but that pushes into some other people's games Wow. So some people can see it. Geotagging and Instagram filters in 49 BC. Nice. <laughs> I'm thinking that's part of maybe the reason. Well, it's also very pretty. Like, I'll, there's a okay. ton of times where I have just stopped and thought, like, yeah. this is a really pretty game. Okay. I underestimated this screenshot system. What was it you found with it or when you were using it or something? Oh, I saw someone else's photo where they had purchased and were riding a unicorn. And the thing I that made me dislike that but was appreciative that the shot did it was the rain, the unicorn leaves a rainbow contrail like from its back legs, which I thought was like, eh, that I wasn't a big fan of that. I get a little tired of the rainbow tropes. Um, but anyway, uh, the main unicorns are awesome. We don't need to make up stuff about rainbows with them. Yeah. The main thing I wanted to point out was the size of the map. And then just the, I guess also that it's very pretty and I, you could, in theory, sometime soon, they are coming out with a mode that you can go into that's just like historical mode that lets you explore the entire thing without any 
fighting or any intrusion of story and you can just and it's I guess it's going to have educational stuff and I am interested to see how that plays out because that sounds almost <laughs> nice more appealing in a way like I don't know I'm not I will have to see how that goes definitely let me know when this game drops to $20 I think that I could be wrong I think I heard that that mode is purchasable for $20 and that it is would be available without buying the whole game i think but i don't know i'll let hmm. you know how that okay does it require xbox live gold none of i don't think it does i would doubt it if it doesn't have multiplayer no i think you would lose the like it wouldn't have the photo like you wouldn't get photos from other people in it maybe i don't hmm. i think that'd be about the only thing you'd miss because none of the rest of it's online I mean, like, because it's all just regular, yeah, there shouldn't be anything else. I don't think you'd be able to access the store so they'd get mad at you for not being able to offer you, quote, additional content. <laughs> um, but, yeah, to my knowledge, I think it should just be single player. Unless it does something where it has to, like, ping Ubisoft servers or something like that, which would be dumb. Hmm. Sometimes things do that nowadays where there's like oh we just want to see that you are playing it or i don't know um so anyway just i thought you guys would be interested in that so our initial conversation about when the game takes place reminded me of something else um so i have to ask am i the only one surely i am not the only one who will sometimes google movie transcripts to try to find a quote do you guys do that on i've never done on that. rare occasion okay i do this like at least once a week yeah um and a couple days ago i was looking for a jurassic park quote and i skimmed by a quote that was not the one i was looking for and it i had the thought this is a perfect description of me playing any video game And that quote is Ellie, the botanist, talking about how they have poisonous plants in the building. She says, but these are wild, untamed creatures who have no idea what century they're in, and they will defend themselves violently if necessary. And it just made me think of me playing video games because I never know what century I'm in. (laughs) And I'm always violently defending myself. And you're a wild, untamed creature? I guess so. That part didn't seem as applicable, but... It was it was really the no idea what century they're in that stood out to me <laughs> as being a description of me in a video game. It did make your playthrough of Scribble Knots much more violent than it needed to be. <laughs> Even in the last episode, we referenced Mass Effect, and I said the Great Reaper War of twenty five whatever. Like I don't even I don't know if Mass Effect is in the twenty sixth century or what. But uh, twenty five <laughs> the twenty five fifties are when Halo is set. The Mass Effect okay. is twenty. 20- one something okay so qed i never have any idea what century i'm in (laughs) i only remember that because i knew the year on halo and then when it got mass effect was doing stuff i was like wow they developed so fast like it took (laughs) they're further ahead in ways than the halo universe is and they're i mean that's the whole thing though is that they discovered something that kicked technology forward in unexpected leaps unexpected for humans i guess we don't even know what century destiny is in do we 
Like not just me, but like nobody does. No, they're. I don't think it's officially stated. They're keeping it purposely vague because, like, I guess even if you had history in a way that like implies that the collapse wasn't as total as they wanted to be, because they preserved a sense of history. Yeah, I guess the idea is the collapse doesn't even like they didn't even remember what the date was through the collapse or what the year was. But by not stating the year, they leave things open for unlimited prequels. <laughs> and nothing has ever gone wrong with that. <laughs> I can't think of a, an instance. Unlimited prequels. <laughs> <laughs> well played. <laughs> I'm trying to remember to tell people to like and rate and review the show because that can be easy to forget, but it's also something helpful that people can do for us if they want to help people find the show. So in iTunes or wherever you listen, go like, rate, review, give us your stars, your hearts, your rambling reviews, your need to be read. Um, now I just feel awkward. You can find that was good. the show notes for this episode at betterworlds.net slash podcast slash 28. And you can find us on Twitter at betterworldsnet. Thanks for listening. Go then. We are reworking our way through the Marvel movies now that in an attempt to have at least rewatched them by the time we get to Infinity War. As are we. And I think you're more, you're farther ahead, but we ended up, um, we're still in, we're kind of finishing out phase one. We made the great decision to watch both the Incredible Hulk and um, Iron Man 2 on the same day. (laughs) And I want to throw out one observation about those two movies together. Iron Man 2 seems like a slightly better film (laughs) watched directly after the Incredible Hulk. Seems like a masterpiece. <laughs> it you are much more forgiving of the flaw, the film's flaws, and the tone is like the bird. Remar- <laughs> the tone is that did not compute. Remarkably different. <laughs> yes, it is. The Incredible Hulk is surprisingly like introspective in a way, even though like it's totally just about stuff blowing up, mm-hmm. and yet he's just like walking around sad all the time. Like, oh man. I'm- the problem I'm so sad that I just like smash everything. Yeah, they definitely tied um the transformation to just emotional like physiological response any trigger and much less rage and they kind of get back to the angriness thing afterwards. Um also I had a really hard I had forgotten this. I can't remember the guy's name that I'm going to have to look up now. Um so in Kimmy Schmidt this is um, Kimmy has a very bumbling stepfather cop, and he's the same guy who's kind of like a one of the bumbling guys out of Oh Brother Where Art Thou? I can't think of the guy's name. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have him be a like highly respected professor in Incredible Hulk, and I had not remembered <laughs> that. And the problem with it is it's not just that he's a highly respected professor. It's that the person they had him be 
is one of the Hulk's arch nemeses who is literally like uh, when powered the smartest guy alive. He has like a crazy high IQ and like he literally has a giant brain caused by gamma radiation or something, which sounds like he's going to die. <laughs> but um, Tim Blake Nelson is the actor. And so he does a good enough job with his voice that I didn't immediately think he's the guy or he's the bumbling guy from um, Kimmy Schmidt. But watching it, I was just like looking at him as like, this is still kind of rough because you don't play. The, and to be fair, I think this guy's probably really smart in real life because he has an Ivy League education and was like class has like an education in classics and things like that. But he can play really dumb. <laughs> so he gets typecast a lot. Is he the other scientist? He's is he the other scientist they go to with near the he's end? He's Mr. Green. Yeah. Though yeah, one that okay. had Mr. Blue or Mr. Blue. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> obviously the Hulk was Mr. Green. Um <laughs> But yeah, I'm going to wait. I need to find what he turns in, what he is in the comics, because you'll find the appearance kind of ridiculous. Um, well, given that, let's see, the one that shows up in the movie is the abomination. So I'm going to guess that he turns into the mild disappointment. <laughs> Isn't that the movie? <laughs> no, it's the abomination. Oh, <laughs> there you go. So. What would happen if uh, uh, Bruce Banner started a fighting club in his town? (laughs) What's his name? We're trying really hard to forget that they changed actors, so please stop (laughs) trying to make these leaps. (laughs) Edward Norton. No, 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 no. What's the name of this brain guy? (laughs) he he, He took a very humble name. And he is the leader. <laughs> he, ooh, I found one that is, uh, that just juxtaposes, hold on, like the classic design from the 60s, which is still pretty close to that, but. Trevor, there are links in the chat. <laughs> <No>. What? <laughs> <laughs> I imagine this guy having the most annoying nasally voice ever. So they kind of showed it because... <laughs> the leader or the actor? The leader. And bring him okay. straight to the leader. <laughs> they kind of showed it because at the you saw like gamma stuff falling on his head in the movie and his like forehead started to bubble. They were going for like, oh, in the sequel, he's going to become the leader until they thought about like, we don't want to do that because the sequel... The- <laughs> oh, they drop a lot of hints in those early movies that never panned out. Oh, yeah. Even Red Skull doesn't die. He, like, accidentally bifrosts away or something. Yeah. I Like, oh, he could come back, but, like, please no. I vaguely had a thought, like, and I don't think they would do it because I think it'd be kind of stupid. But I was like, hmm, a lot of the people in all those movies were just killed by an, in- or taken out by an Infinity Stone thingy. And I just thought, what if they somehow were like, oh, yeah, I can bring back all of them. Avengers, you fight them while I go deal with more infinity things says Thanos or something. Oh, I can I tell you guys one thing that was like one of my favorite things in Thor Ragnarok that's not really a spoiler. Sure. Ties in with the earlier movies. So one thing that's really stressed out some fans from the earlier movies is that the Infinity Gauntlet shows up in the uh 
what do they call it? The jewel room or something? Like the trophy room? Yeah, I don't remember. What the trophy room in Asgard. And like, I didn't know what that meant, but I remember people who knew the comics saying, this doesn't make any sense that the Infinity Gauntlet is in that trophy room in Asgard, but now they're setting up the stuff for, um, for Thanos to come in yeah. and like, what's going on I with like this? I like the way they dealt with And in Thor Ragnarok, they completely dealt with that with, like they didn't even really have to wreck on it. They just had Hela walk through the trophy room and she was talking about how a lot of the stuff in the trophy room wasn't really that impressive. And she just starts like pointing to stuff and saying like, that's fake, that's fake, that's fake. So yeah. we have an answer. The infinity gauntlet in the trophy room at Asgard is fake. Well, and that's like one of the things in there was the eye of Agamotto, which very clearly is not. In the- <laughs> um, right. From Dr. Strange. Yeah. Yeah. So she just pointed to the, um, the offending artifacts and said they were fake and then pointed to one other thing and said, that one's kind of impressive. And it was actually the real one. <laughs> um, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, the cube, the cask of ancient winters, which they never call by name, but yeah. Oh, it was the cask. I thought it was the cube. Oh, maybe no. The I think it was the cube that Loki takes at the end. Maybe it was the cask. Maybe it was the cube. Casket I couldn't earlier. remember. If, but yeah, it could casket casket. I think it, okay. yeah, different things. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, the, um, uh, what was the other thing I was going to say I liked about that? No, no, I've forgotten. Oh, well. About Ragnarok? Yeah, there was something that they tie, They did. There was a tie-in with Ragnarok that I enjoyed. There was a tie-in to the way the other movies worked out. I think I was thinking of it because we just watched Thor recently. But Oh, I also um, saw something pointed out that I did not pick up on my own, which is that there's an extended rock, paper, scissors joke through the whole movie because Korg, who was made of rock, his revolution failed because he didn't make enough pamphlets. So paper beats rock. And then he like accidentally almost kills, uh, Mitch. Is that his name? Meek. Meek. He almost accidentally kills Meek later who <laughs> has like, he is scissors basically yeah. in his armor. That's like all blades. Anyway, these aren't really spoilers. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you've actually seen it yet, Dustin, but these are, I haven't. These are not spoilers, right? These aren't spoilers. Okay. I'm trying not to listen. Because sorry, I'm just referencing jokes. I'm sorry if I'm messing up the jokes. They're not actually spoilers, though. But anyway, I'm sorry. Should I not have said all that? Should I cut all that out? No, it's fine. I don't know if you'd even have a ton of context to know what's even going on. Yeah. Anyway, watch for an extended rock, paper, scissors joke, <laughs> Dustin. <laughs> Just as I'm probably the last person to see Stranger Things season two, I'm probably the last person to see Thor Ragnarok. I'm joking. I'm guessing the last person to see Thor Ragnarok will be the guy who told me he doesn't watch Star Wars movies anymore because he's tired of superhero movies. Yeah. (laughs) What? Because I'm assuming he'll never watch Thor Ragnarok. Oh my goodness. I did remember watching the first Thor through again, which I watched it and enjoyed it uh, at the time it came out and watching it again recently. I was just like, why do people hate this movie? Like, why do they think it's bad? Yeah. It's actually pretty good. Honestly. Yeah. I was surprised how good that one was watching it again. Yeah. Well, honestly, if you're not, if, if you're talking the movies that lead up to the Avengers outside of Iron Man, it's probably my favorite. Yeah. And I, which one? Thor. Thor. The first Thor. Yeah. Okay. It's actually really funny. There's a lot of... I I enjoyed the first. There's a lot of humor. 
put into it, which, and it made me think, like, I understand why they made the creative choices they did, but it made me, with Thor Ragnarok, just miss that they didn't have, like, Darcy as a supporting character because she's a source of a lot of the humor that was yeah done very understatedly, which was amusing. Like, just things, like, where they were like, oh, we're going to go look for Thor. She's like, okay. And you just see her pulling her taser out of her purse and checking to make sure that it's worked. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> I I noticed that in the last rewatching and was, like, rewinding it to show Betsy. I think she saw it the first time, but I was, like, so excited that I had noticed it for the first time that I was like, watch it again. I know you noticed it already, like, every time we watched it, but I just noticed it for the first time, so let's watch it again. Also, they I'm it was amusing how many times they ran over Chris Hemsworth. Oh yeah. <laughs> and there's just such a good Loki development. I, I'm yeah. I, and I'm still maybe slightly, that's still my major bone of contention with how Ragnarok played out. Yeah. I would say that upon now that I've rewatched the first two Thor movies, I would say that Ragnarok is easily my least favorite Thor movie, which is the opposite of what I expected. It's fine, though. Like, it's not bad. It's just there are some things that frustrate me about it. In some ways, it doesn't feel straight up like a Thor movie. Any, it, yeah. If that... In kind of a similar but not the same way that... Well, I don't know. I was going to say, like, how Civil War doesn't feel like just a Captain America movie. But it they did a really good job with that. And it does feel like a Captain America movie. Because <laughs> they built yeah. what was happening so organically into the story arc they'd built with Captain America. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. It does. It feels a lot like an Avengers movie to me though. I mean, it, I'm not arguing that point at all. I'm just saying it's like they mashed up it, but yeah, there's enough cap and Bucky that makes it still definitely a Captain America movie. And they do like at some point when like the identity of Captain America should be so mixed up with the Avengers that you shouldn't be able to separate them. So the fact that they did it that way makes a lot of sense to me. And it feels very spiritually true to the source material. Yeah. I did not realize how important Bucky was when I was watching the first movie. And so a lot of it ended up feeling disjointed to me the first time I saw it, just because I didn't realize that he was like a main character. Oh, yeah. I mean, like they kept showing him again and like I should have figured it out. But (laughs) I was like, oh, this is just like his random friend who he's talking to before like the story actually happens and then I'm like, Oh, here's his random friend again. I guess he's like doing stuff with him or something. I guess he needs to be rescued, but like it's, I just, I'm surprised how long I went without realizing it was important. I rem- actually, I didn't know any of the stuff about like what happens to Bucky in the comics. So I didn't know that he was going to be the winter soldier either. That like, totally took me by surprise in the movies. I thought you knew about Bucky cap at that point. I think you might've told me, you might have told me, but I didn't know, like myself hmm. beforehand. You, but you might have mentioned it to me though. I, we felt kind of. I joked with a friend when during the whole period where Bucky was Cap in the comics that we're like, well, we really just want to see Steve come back and be Captain America again. And then we would joke like, you know, just some Bucky will get in a noble fight, and then someone will like rip off his robot arm and beat him to death with it. And we would just like make up stuff like that. Um, so guess what actually happened in the comics that we later felt bad about? (laughs) (laughs) He still has his robot arm at the end of the movie, right? I think it got smushed by, um, 
Iron Man, didn't it? Like get did it, kind of crushed a little bit. Did it get like cut off or anything? I don't know if it got cut off. I think it just got kind of I like remember. compressed. I will be watching this again soon though, so I'm approaching it. Um actually The Winter Soldier is the next movie in line for me to watch. So I'm not that far away from Civil War. <laughs> not that far away from Okay, and we should probably wrap that up 